everybody. Welcome into another episode of For Fans Of, our pop culture podcast. As always, I'm joined with Shay. And before we dive into any of the entertainment and Netflix news that we want to talk about, we have to wish Shay a belated happy birthday. She uh, celebrated yesterday, and I want to know how you did so in quarantine for anyone out there that's planning some festivities. <laughs> um, well, first off, thank you. I celebrated, I don't know, it kind of was like ended up being extremely my kind of birthday because it was a good level of like being social, but then also an excuse to not be social. Um, so I did a like a Skype group call uh, brunch in the morning with some pals. Uh, and then I baked a cake and like talked to my parents. And then later in the day, I went for a walk. But mostly I just watched a lot of episodes of Money Heist, which is getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. But I, I watched a lot of episodes. I bombarded one of my friends with just like a thousand texts in a row that were just like characters, names and like gibberish. Um, but yeah, no, it was, a, it was a nice day, surprisingly, all things considered. <laughs> All things considered, dreamy birthday. It's also my mom's birthday. So I was like, wow, two great women celebrating over Zoom. That's the way to do it. It's one of our coworkers' birthdays. It's, I I don't know, for some reason, it's a lot of my friend's parents' birthday, where it's like another friend's mom, another friend's dad. Strange day. (laughs) It's a strange day. And it was my first uh, quarantine celebration. So I was like, how, I guess this is going to be the new normal. And Paul Rudd's birthday? We're getting a message? No, <laughs> Hunter, you're wrong. Paul Rudd's birthday is uh, today. We were talking oh. yesterday. <laughs> tomato, tomato. It's like basically the same. I if your party rolls over. If I shared the same birthday as Paul Rudd, then. Um, Our Lord and Savior, Paul sure. Rudd. <laughs> <laughs> Love Paul Rudd. Him. Uh, yeah, so happy birthday, Shay. And, um, you know, we'll talk about Money Heist in a second. But we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit more about Tiger King. Yes. I feel like Tiger King is going to be one of those, I don't know how, but it's going to last the entire time this quarantine lasts, where it'll be something like we have no sense of time because there was Tiger King at the beginning, there was Tiger King in the middle, and they'll be t- by the time we're done, like the, the dramas, the movies will be out. It'll be the Tiger King cares through the entire this entire ordeal. That's my prediction. Uh, I didn't even think about that because I keep telling myself as, you know, crazy and unsettling as all of this has been, it's like, I feel like I'm living in a dream and that's kind of how I felt watching Tiger King. So the fact that it was this like ridiculous, hard to like grasp and understand um, roller coaster of a docuseries, that's how I feel like day to day is. Like you turn on the television and you watch these press conferences and then I was turning on the te- different television and watching Joe Exotic. So everything just feels like one big dream. Do these words describe Tiger King or do they describe your life? <laughs> that would be such a, that's going to be a new thing. It's like, does this describe Tiger King, our reality in the world or both? Probably both whole stories in a couple of months and just compare side by side or in lines like what, what is this about uh, but yes yeah, so the, the ongoing story of tiger king continues with a couple different things they there was news today that joe exotic is going to be doing a true crime special on investigation discovery which is a channel i'm pretty sure it's not a discovery channel it's another channel um, and it's called Investigating the Strange World of Zoe Exotic, and it's billed as a sequel that will dive into the mess with Joe at the center of it. 
Um, so that's one thing going on. And then Jeff Lowe, this is this, the whole sentence, this is going to be a ride. Jeff Lowe revealed on cameo that there was going to be a follow up Netflix episode potentially coming out as soon as this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a little wild. And I think those are the two main ones, but otherwise it seems like all the characters are like constantly in the news. Like they're leveraging social media and they're, I was going to say they're 15 minutes, but they're 15 days of fame. It's like, I can't log into a Zoom call without someone having Joe Exotic as their background. Like, it is just constantly all over the place. And even one of our coworkers, he shared with us, he went to go grab coffee at a coffee shop and they had a 10 drink list special of mm-hmm. all of the um, Joe Exotic themed drinks. And it, like, it was like my two straight husbands. And it was like a pinch of hazelnut. And it was like so ridiculous. Like, you cannot escape I'm grasping for some sense of normalcy and Tiger King is quickly becoming that for me. What I thought was crazy is now normal. And there's like such a role, like a, the gradual rollout of Netflix where you, there's always like the sort of the first adopter, first week unders, then there's like the next week and stuff. But because I feel like with something like a game of Thrones, the way it, you, you either had to watch it the night of, or you were away until the season was done, then you would catch up where it's like, now mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, either with like coworkers or family members or whatever, I'm still talking to people who are like, Oh, I just started Tiger King. And so it's like this, this is going to keep rolling and not, and not, and not. <laughs> it's just relentless. Um, but I do need to vent, I guess is the word I'm going to use about some of these people that like, I have said this before. I've never watched game of Thrones and I've never watched breaking bad, which I get a lot of crap for. But that's not a personality trait. Like, I don't think it's some, like, sign of elitism that I've never seen these very popular shows. And I'm kind of annoyed with all the people that have come out and, like, shunned people who have watched Tiger King. Because it's clearly not the most, um, you know, ethical group of individuals or people that you'd want to emulate morally. But it was entertaining. And it is a cultural moment for us. And I feel a little put off by how many people on my timeline I see that are, like, I'll never watch that. I can't believe you all sat through that garbage. Well, you know what? There's a lot of garbage that I watch and this was just next in the queue. So I don't think I'm going to go out and like get a Joe exotic tattoo or like, you know, (laughs) succumb to some of this like social hype, but like just watch the garbage television. You're not a better person for not having seen it. So everyone needs to chill. I understand there are bigger things going on in the world, but Joe exotic and Netflix can exist in a world with a lot of really awful things going on. Like they're not mutually exclusive. So I just need to get that off my chest because I felt a little guilt for being so entertained by it and then taking a step back. And I think I have reflected that these are real people and all of the trauma and questionable decision-making and behaviors in Tiger King. Um, I think now that I've stopped watching and have processed everything you know, okay, yeah, it's real, and they're shady people, but it was entertaining. So that's my two cents. That it can be shady and entertaining at the same time. Yeah, I I'm with you that I, I not watching a TV show or not having seen a movie is absolutely not a personality trait, and it's not even if it was a personality trait, it's not an interesting personality trait. Uh, like a lot of people watch different things. People have different tastes, mm-hmm. and let's move on. Um, and like to the same or different but related token, 
Like, I also don't have time for people that shame people that watch, like, a ton of reality TV shows or, like, Real Housewives. And so, like, people watch TV for different reasons, different purposes. They find different things entertaining. What I like may be different than what you like. What I'm looking for when I'm spending two hours staring at a screen is different. Uh, Like, it's just, it is what it is. Like, we don't even need to get into, like, the comparison of, like, sports too it's like whatever you find entertaining is fine and for the most part you know it's gonna come out like a moral wash anyways uh but yeah the tiger king backlash has been interesting and also kind of felt like in, in a way it was sort of comforting that we were back into like the natural cycle of entertainment or anything where it's like there's always the hype and then there's always the backlash and it's like ah, okay <laughs> well something's going normally um, but yeah, you absolutely saw the same people that were like gushing about it, sort of then flipping around and being like, oh yeah, like it is, you know, it's got its problems. And I, I think I kind of fell into that category of the more I sat with it, the more, uh, you know, less taken I was with it. Uh, but it was, I don't know. I'm also not going to like regret it. I'll move on. Like it, it, I'll own the fact that it was entertaining. Um, and yeah. I regret nothing. It was an educational cultural moment. So, um, but let's move on because I'm sure we'll be talking about Tiger King for as long as we are quarantined. Um, right. Seems to be the gist. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, we're trying to get away from Tiger King. Um, so, you know, you guys heard last week we were talking about some of the things that we wanted to watch. Um, and Shay and I decided, she texted me actually on a run. So I was like, one word answer. It's like, cool, sounds good. <laughs> Like huffing and puffing into Siri on my watch. Um, But she suggested Money Heist. And I had never heard of it. And the way you were describing it, I was like, okay, let's give this a go. So if you you want to give a little intro of how you sold me on Money Heist as our next binge watch. Yeah, so I am all in on Money Heist at this point. I will say that. So it's a Spanish drama that's about a group of robbers that break into... Uh, the like, Royal Mint of Madrid, I believe, or Spain. It's in Madrid, but the Royal Mint of Spain. Um, and like, it's quickly revealed that like they're just—they're not there just to steal the money. Like, they take hostages, and there's like a greater plan at play here. Um, and the the sort of the length of the sh- seasons of the show are a little confusing in that there are two seasons in four parts, so you. It sounded like we're at season four, but it's actually part two of the second season. This needlessly complicated. But anyways, the first two parts cover a single heist, and then the second two parts cover a different heist. Um, but it's it's this a wild worldwide phenomenon where it's the most watched non-English series on Netflix, period. Like, it's their most successful international show, like, by a landslide. Uh, but still kind of, like, a little underrated or underspoken of in the U.S. in the sense that I could like, count on the number on one hand, the number of people that I know had watched it before this weekend. Um, but it was like a little bit on my radar, and then I saw it on Friday and Saturday, like immediately in Netflix top ten, and like at like three and four, and I think right now it's like hovering around five. And I was like, where did this, <laughs> where did this come from? And like, who are all these people in the U.S. that are watching it, and why aren't we talking about it? Because the first thing I, you know, I immediately started watching it and had a thousand things I wanted to say. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, 
I want to talk to you about it. I want to know what your thoughts were. I want to know what characters you're loving. Who are you hating? Because I have extremely strong feelings. <laughs> um, but I'm also interested in talking a little bit about, you know, what that top 10, what function it's serving. Because I, I was skeptical of it when it was first released. And I was like, this is just going to be Netflix, you know, manipulating it and pushing their original series. But I really was thinking this weekend, like, I wonder how many people are going to discover this show that's four seasons in because it's in their top 10, it's in the top three in the U.S. So it's a lot to throw at you, but... Yes. <laughs> All right, well, let's all first start with a confession. You sold it to me again. I was on my run, like, squinting on my watch screen. You're like, it's a thriller about this heist and these hostages. I was like, perfect. Sounds interesting. I'm in. So um, as many people probably are quarantined, um, a lot of people went back home and every house has the favorite TV, right? (laughs) So um, I'm back home and my whole uh, family is here. So we're all fighting over the best TV. And I got stuck. I was like working, watching this money heist on the TV I don't like. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, the stupid TV, it's lagging, it's lagging. I did not realize that when you said it was like a Spanish show that you meant it was literally in Spanish and they had dubbed English voices over it. So I'm being this cranky quarantined, like <laughs> I got to, I need to do this for work. I need the big TV. And it was just like, the dub didn't match up. It was not the TV. The TV works just fine. So I felt like an idiot. I was so rude to my brother. Um, <laughs> we've gotten past it. Uh, so off the bat, I was like, what's not adding up here? But Actually, it was the dub is that good that it does look like good enough to believe it should be in English. Um, But once I got past my little fit, two episodes, um, I was intrigued right off the bat because I really enjoy shows that start at like the climax of the drama where I don't need character buildup. I don't need to know all that. I like working and they jumped right into this giant heist. And I really appreciate when stories are told that way. So if you're impatient like me, it's drama right off the bat. And then it flashes back to how the characters met, how they've come to be a part of this heist. And I think that makes for a much more interesting uh, storyline because you're not, you know, you don't care about that stuff off the bat. I want the drama. I want the sirens and the chaos and the guns right away. And so episode one, I was like, okay, Shay, good pick. The drama is there. I'm into this. And with the heist or anything involving like a robbery, like you need, we all sort of, you know, roughly the beats or like what people's backstories. You don't need, especially because in this one, they talk about how they spend like five months preparing and planning for this. Like you don't need to spend five months in the countryside with these people learning who they are because it's, it's, and in this particular story, like it's almost better to sort of learn about like one of them, one of two of the people are father, son. And you learn about the like, sort of more details of their relationship later on. And it, I don't know, it's richer the way it's told that way. Um, so I was totally with you. I also had a realization a couple episodes in that it's an extremely, like, there are levels to the heist where, like, different things happen. And you're like, oh, no, they're going to get caught. And then, like, the, the, the professor who's the guy that's, like, planning the whole heist, uh, he's sort of outside he he's like been anticipating the, the police's every move because like the real twist that you find out like in the or first episode is that they are planning to stay in 
the mint because they're they want to print their own money so they need to they don't actually want this to be resolved and get out they're not trying to escape for like 10 days so they're sort of anticipating all the these police moves and like it's that kind of you know cat and mouse game or whatever and i they did something where you thought like this was going to be it and then they pulled a switcheroo and i just i laughed and then i was like this is the one genre where I want my people to be unbelievably clever and smart. Like there's no way that he should have been able to like anticipate this or like think of everything. But in like, I'm, I'm so team robbers and heist things that I'm always just like, yes, it's totally acceptable that he, <laughs> he anticipated 15 different variations here. <laughs> Oh, that's where, too, working backwards, you know it's not going to get resolved. If you start with the heist, you know there's going to be a ton of layers peeling back. And I think it was the first episode where the negotiator is on the phone with the professor who's the mastermind. And someone was like, this man's a lunatic. And she says something to the degree of, he's way too calm to be a lunatic. And I think he is the most chilling character because... They tell you who he gathers this group of like misfits together to work in the heist. And he's the mastermind, but they introduce him as he has no track record. Like he hasn't updated his ID. There's no record of him. So he doesn't exist in like this Spanish society. And I was like, first of all, I'm like paranoid driving with like an out of state like license. So his ability to just live under the radar is so fascinating to me. But he has this like, He's creepy, but he's also charming. And he plays the part of being this like manipulative, but like gentle leader. And so I just am constantly going back and forth. Like you said, I always like to uh, side with the bad guys for the sake of a movie. But with him, you're like, oh, he's he's the worst. He's so smug. He's so, you know, thinks he's the smartest person in the room. But then he has this very charming and gentle demeanor to him. And you're suddenly like, Oh, like the professor. Yes. Good to see you on screen again. So he's been the character. I think that's hardest for me to kind of process. Yeah. He's definitely one that I feel like I, we haven't quite, quite cracked yet, but what, what gets me or is interesting to me, particularly as he sort of fits into like a lineage of heist leaders or whatever, is like he has that second in command that is like the brash, like speaking of lunatics, and, like, I, I really like that none of the characters of the show, you don't know their names. And even once you learn their names for various reasons, they don't, they're not called by them. So they all have, like, cities as their code name. Um, and Berlin is second in command. He's, he's nuts. But I love him. Like, not as, like, as a character. Like, when he's on screen, like, he's, like, funny. And, like, he's, like, a, a psychopath. Like, period. Like, that's objectively <laughs> that's he's not a good person in that sense. I don't know what this says about us but we're like yes we love the psychopath in the thriller he's, he's like, my favorite he's like funny and like just I don't know like riveting to watch so I'm like I'm I, I love Berlin I I want to get your thoughts on Tokyo who she provides the voiceover she's the lead sort she's introduced as like the narrator I could not stand her for like four or five episodes. I was like, I almost to the point that I like considered not stopping watching. Cause I was all in, like I I'm all in, but I was just like, she is, she drove me up the wall. Okay. I always want to cheer on our strong female leads. And right off the bat, I was like, she's annoying. But then we kind of talked about this over text going back. 
part of me wonders if some of the like cornier phrases that she uses or theatrics that don't quite fit in my opinion in this like very complicated she just has like these cliches like you know she risks everyone's safety because she's hooking up with someone else's the heist I'm like first of all it's not her fault the writers wrote her character that way but she has some like one-liners I'm like that was tacky and you're supposed to be this like boss bitch and you say these lines that just aren't believable but part of me wonders if it's lost in translation like if I heard what she was saying in Spanish it would be a little more suave and a little more like edgy. But some of these catchphrases she has, she just thinks she like runs the whole heist and she's dramatic and impulsive and selfish. So I was annoyed by her, but I'm hoping that some of that is just lost in translation. And then um, once I kind of finish the first season, see if I can buy into her character a little more. It's, I don't know. I can't speak to like how it lands when you hear her delivery of it in Spanish. Cause I'm, I'm watching it in Spanish, but I'm reading the subtitles. But I, do, I don't think it's a translation issue because, like, a lot of it just seems like like it comes across in her performance too, where, like you said, like she's so impulsive and so mm-hmm. brash and like making like needlessly risky. Where it's like she's yeah, she's like well, what I was saying, she's like the human embodiment of like a loose cannon, which made me think between her and then the guy that she's hooking up with on the heist, who is like young and like not the sort of experienced uh, criminal that the rest of them are. I was like, this professor has the greatest heist ever to like have everybody like to walk away with like 2.4 billion euros and you couldn't find a better team? Like, <laughs> you've got like at least three weaklings that I was like, these people, like, I'm sure. I thought the same thing. Like, sure. did he just... <laughs> peruse craigslist one day and was like all right like this 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 like checked his local paper for like most wanted mm-hmm. i just that's funny you said that because in my notes here i just had like some like thoughts you know <laughs> where i i'm the queen of like asking a question everyone's like shut up it's a movie like you don't need to pick it apart but i'm like you don't just like whip up these criminals off the street and in five months time like build trust that's yeah. what i thought was really weird is how quickly he's like hey we're all in we're a family we're gonna protect each other like I don't owe you anything five months that's nothing I can't believe he trusted them which to be fair it did seem like a lot of like the tension with like Tokyo and Berlin and stuff is related to that like they don't have that buy-in where it's like they there are a couple like bonds that you see um but for the most part like, I, I feel like that is a little bit apparent there which is nice I will say to like be having questions and not just like rolling with it I appreciated. I at some point was like then they made some comments so like they were on like day three or whatever and I was like man like I wonder if they're showering like the smell and then like the next scene you see them passing out like little shower kits to the hostages and I was like oh wow <laughs> well of done show. yeah well my first question is bathroom like are there just like hourly bathroom breaks like how does that work that's my first question because I know that if you said they gave them shower kits and they like brought them sandwiches but I'm like, everyone uses the bathroom at different times. And I'm curious how that's played out. So again, I was like asking the room and everyone's like, shut up. Like no one cares. <laughs> so that was one of my things. Uh, yeah, I guess they do kind of some of the the chaos that ensues is when the plan doesn't go as smoothly as they had hoped uh, in life. If you have someone you trust, you like trust their judgment call. Or if they go rogue a little bit, you trust they're going to make the right call. And there's a lot of tension. I'm only a couple episodes in and that tension 
kind of stressing me out a little bit. Like, I don't know if this is the best show to binge watch more than like three episodes. Like you need to take a step back and breathe because it is so suspenseful. Um, But the other thing is if anyone's listening, who's not into like gore or like violence, which I am not, um, I would say definitely trends more thriller than violence, like action violence. Um, and then the scenes that maybe were a little too much for queasy folk like myself, um, I was very comfortable doing like one of these, you know, so it wasn't anything that I couldn't handle, which I'm always a little skeptical of in these types of genres. So I think that it has to be violent to be believable, but it's nothing, um, excessively gory. Uh, if yeah, so I I could stomach it, which is always a a check in my book. And they go in with the intention of like not killing anyone and trying to keep the bloodshed to a minimum. So I feel like, yeah, like it's, it's kind of signaled well when something bad's going to happen. Like, you know, the guys in the sniper rifle range for like five minutes before you get shot, like you can prepare yourself. <laughs> yeah. I was literally like, like had my hoodie like up here and was like peeking like a child. And I was like, it's your own remote, just like fast forward. But I was trying to I, embrace the experience. I was sort of thinking like, Cause I, I don't know, I couldn't help but know that there's like more seasons to come and like a second heist to come. And so part of me is already thinking like, Oh, like, uh, who's gonna, who's gonna like make it out. And like, this is like <laughs> totally, I feel bad, but there are two characters, like Oslo and Helsinki and they're such minor characters. They get so little screen time. I'm like, they're the characters. And I say this having not finished the series. So like I'm, I'm going to claim prediction here if I'm right, and you know if I'm not. Oh well, but like they seem like the characters that are going to like die or get caught, so that they can say that it wasn't like like oh everybody made it out would be like unbelievable. So it's like we're going to have these two characters that are going to be minor the entire time, but we can lose them, so it's not a perfect crime, and then we can keep all the main people. <laughs> and they're like the big like yeah yeah okay they give me like um from Harry Potter uh. Crab and Goyle, what are their names? Like Malfoy's like two sidekicks. Like they're just kind of there to like hold these big guns and be like large, scary men. Yeah. But I like I don't even know their names. So I'm like like you said, they're just there for effect. That's so fun. I would not be surprised. They'll be like guarding hostages and I'm like, all right, so you're just like a a prop, basically. (laughs) You're just there. (laughs) Um, we have to talk because we kind of started talking about this before we were we were recording the one character that we are absolutely uh, and completely annoyed by. Arturo. Arturo, the mouth <laughs> hostage. Like, I I was already, like, team heist to begin with, and then you have... Of the three hostages that have personalities so far, you've got Arturo, who's the bank manager, Monica, who's his secretary that he knocks up, and then uh, Allison, who is the like, daughter of the UK ambassador and she's at the mint on a field trip. And like, she's like a, she's part of the reason the heist is what it is or whatever. I like Monica, the other two endlessly annoying to me, but Arturo is hands down the worst. <laughs> so he just constantly um, interjects and like tries to be this hero, but he has no control. And I feel like in a situation, I don't know, I've never been a hostage, thank God. But like, I can imagine that you just kind of sit back and lay low. Like you have these giant guns all around you, host- people holding you hostage. I'm not going to speak up and be like, hey, quick question, which is what he tends to do. Hey, by yeah. the way, I don't know if you considered this, but like, 
some people are hungry. And I'm like, why are you saying that? Like, stop talking. And he continues to do it even after they put like a gun to his head. Like, dude. He's not trying to be a hero by doing anything. In fact, the one time he has an idea that involves action, he sends Monica to do it. But he's just like lippy. Like his idea of being a hero is like giving the hostages attitude. And like they have machine, not machine, but they have like assault rifles. Like <laughs> what are you, you are getting nothing here except like potentially provoking a guy that's like clearly a lunatic. Like <laughs> it just seems just so annoying and so dumb. And I just, I cannot, cannot stand him. Yeah. He's like the person in the group project that like thinks they have the best ideas ever. And everyone is like, no, this is clearly an awful idea. Why are you even suggesting it? And he's just, yeah, he's mouthy. I cannot think of a worse place to be mouthy than when you're a hostage. Oh yeah. It's, he's, he's awful. So yeah. he's annoying. And he had like, he cheated on his wife, knocks up someone else that works at the bank. That's like a whole storyline. Um, but yeah, there's some weird side stories that perhaps I'll understand their purpose later on but a couple of like the comments about like women in general I wrote them down Uh, there's some weird undertones I don't know if I was just being sensitive but you know they're talking about like childbirth and how women aren't as sexy after childbirth there was a whole scene about abortion um the high school daughter to the um uh what is it called the ambassador thank you you know she a guy takes advantage of her and like posts a picture online and these all loosely tie back to the story but I don't know if they're necessarily like relevant I think the plot could have existed without them and they were weird things to digest I went on a whole a similar journey there too especially because like one of like I was saying before like I I, I'm loving the character of Berlin but then every especially in the early episodes every couple like scenes he would have a conversation where he would he, it wasn't, he would be talking about women generally, and I, at first I couldn't quite tell if he was just trying to provoke Rio, who the guy he was talking to, and like being shitty in a way to get a response out of Rio, but then it was kind of like, no, it just seems like this is his tape, but it wasn't, it also wasn't like he, the show was damning him for it, so that was weird. The abortion thing was a whole journey, because they're doing a call where like they're they find out that some of the hostages need medication and people are like, Oh, I need insulin. I need this. And Monica's like, I would like an abortion pill. And they're like, okay. And I was like, wow, that's awfully like chill. Like, <laughs> I was like trying to Google like the cultural uh, in Spain, like how that's handled. Cause it was, like I said, was it lost in translation? They're like, okay, noted, put it on the grocery list. Like, it's easier to get an abortion in a hostage situation in Spain <laughs> than it is in the United States period. Like this is wild. But then, like, an episode later or whatever, there's a whole scene where one of the guys, the the robbers, is talking her, like, gives a speech about not having an abortion and why she shouldn't have an abortion. And as far as we see, like, she doesn't take the pill or she hasn't taken the pill yet. And it was, like, so it was all, that was very confusing. There's a storyline with the, uh, like, hostage negotiator who was abused by her ex-husband and nobody believes her like that's the whole thing so there's all this stuff but it's, i don't i don't know i'm having a sort of very similar thing where it's like i don't know what's a fault of the show versus what's like slightly cultural different norms where it's like 
I don't, yeah, I don't know. But I, it, it's a little jarring sometimes. Where, like, I'll be in the highest mode and then, like, something will happen. I'll be like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, you're like, they're just divulging their, like, lifelong traumas. And I'm like, I don't know how this matches up. The other thing about Berlin, he mentioned he'd been divorced five times. Yes. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I think after the third, I'd just be like, maybe this whole marriage thing isn't for me. But yeah, five well, times. You know what that means? It means I still believe in love. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, good for you, because I'd be jaded after yeah. five times. <laughs> I'd be like, there's, yeah, there's one common denominator, and it's me. So <laughs> I thought that was weird. I was like, yeah, he's a character. He spooks me, but I think he, Berlin is a character that almost ties it all together for me yeah. and makes it truly like this suspenseful heist. Without him, I don't know if I could buy into, um, he's just so militant and scary and unhinged. And he's he's got that, like, like uncontrolled, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. But when it's like he's so in control, but also just like a hair away from being absolutely out of control, it's like like a live wire is maybe the expression I'm looking for. Where it's like he he's in control of everything. He's terrifying, but he also seems like he could absolutely like, and he kind of does at some point like lose like control and like that's really scary. Um, but yeah, and I, I yeah I think he does kind of like keep. A lot of it, because he builds, it feels like, the tension between, like, both between the robber crew and with the hostages himself. Yeah, I, I like him. He's, like, my evil character I'm, I'm really into. Um, I'm only halfway through episode five. I know that you're a little further ahead of me. Um, but do you have any predictions moving forward or anything that you kind of want to speak into existence or hope to see happen? Um, I, I'm torn. So I've already got my prediction that I don't think, I don't think Oslo and Helsinki make it out either alive or in jail. Like they're not, they're not going to be long-term. Um, but I also, I'm really torn about Arturo because I don't (laughs) want him to survive, but I'm team robbers. So I don't want them to have anybody die on there during their heist. Um, so I think, I don't know. I think I need him to. I need him to have an unhappy ending, but I guess I need him to be alive too. So that's where I'm at with Arturo. (laughs) (laughs) Or I joke, because yeah, the man has been shot. He has gotten someone who is not his wife pregnant. And he just seems in a very sticky situation. I need his, I need both his wife, Laura and Monica to leave him. And then I'll be good. And then you'll be okay. I feel bad though, because he does have kids with his um, wife already. So, so doesn't he? I would be very happy in the Canary Islands or wherever they were going to go on vacation, Australia. <laughs> Australia. That was another weird scene where I was like, "This is," I don't know. There was just a couple moments. Geography. When okay, so another character I love, uh, who is kind of like a background character for a while, and she you learn more about her as it goes. But like Nairobi, who is another woman on the team, and so far doesn't like she seems level-headed, but also a total badass. She's in charge of, like, the counterfeiting. So, like, I don't know, just extremely cool, all about her. But she makes some reference to her, um, this is a little bit of a spoiler, she, her son has been, like, taken by, like, uh, social services. And she's like, yeah, like, he's on, it wasn't the Canary Islands, it was another island. But I was like, I, my European geography is rusty, but I was like, I didn't think that was that close to Spain that it could be like a normal like. And she was like, "Yeah, his like his new family like own a hotel 
Um, and so he's on these islands. I was like, I right, what? <laughs> Again, another, like, it's such intimate details that I'm like, do I need to, like, remember this for later? Or is this an aside? <laughs> because right after she told this story about her son and how he's no longer a part of her direct family, they get, like, drunk. Um, Tokyo is like do you like tequila and there's this weird montage of them all all of a sudden they have like tequila and they're taking shots and you're like are they about to like hook up what is going on yeah and they're in costumes like with weird plastic sunglasses again it's a backstory so it's flashing back to when they were training for the heist but again I was like this is so random that these grown women who are trying to pull off a heist are having like before that so i guess the like getting drunk and going zero to 60 on friendship rings true but like <laughs> <laughs> everything else about it was like why like you guys have things to do yeah i was like what are you, what's going on here and then just nothing became of it so i was like yeah. was this just another weird i don't know yeah, that was another scene post in the present day just a lot a lot going on but it's oh, kind of, okay. that's kind of what I'm enjoying about it is that there's like so much that I just, I don't know, it's thrilling. And I, I think I found it like more addictive as I go, which I guess is like natural with like a heist sort of thriller like that. The deeper in you get, the more invested you're in the characters, the more every time like the police are knocking on the door, the more stressful it gets. But um, yeah. something I was thinking as I was watching is I don't. I'm not well versed in like heist negotiations or Spain's legal system. So I think it's easy for me to buy into how legit it is. But, um, you know, I wasn't sure if you're like, that's not true. That would never happen. Or if you're just as naive as I am watching this, that anything could be happening. I think I'm so far buying it as like, Based on my experience watching other heist movies, like it seems like it's tracking. I I did find it interesting that I feel like something you don't see in US heist movies is that they were talking about how like the international affairs office or whatever, like the government was involved because of the ambassador's daughter. So you had like basically their version of the CIA, their version of the police, and like some other group was there too. And so like that was interesting to me. I also, like, I don't know, this is one of those, like, small details that just stuck with me, and I was like, I should go fact check this, but she, when she was negotiating with them, she was like, oh, yeah, like, you're gonna get, like, 16 years, or, like, we could, like, negotiate it down to eight, and part of me was like, eight years, like, 16 years for an armed robbery of, like, the treasury with, like, a bunch of hostages, like, that doesn't seem <laughs> that long. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was like, I, again, maybe going back to like the abortion pill, I was like, maybe it's just like a different, like we have a real bad prison system here and we'll I, lock you up for the rest of your life for weed. But like, <laughs> that's like, a whole nother podcast. Eh? <laughs> but I thought the same thing. She just was like, oh, you know, whatever, 16 years. And I was like, 16 years, that's, doable like you're not going to die in prison yeah and they carjacked first of all they to get into the bank they like carjacked police officers vehicles and like forced them to let them into the building like i'm feel like that's 16 years in and of itself yeah. before they the shot. heist even happened yes. police officers. they took an ambassador's like a 
government officials child hostage. 67 people hostage. <laughs> I feel like I need to go down a deep, like, money heist Reddit thread where someone who at least pretends to know what they're talking about explains this to me because I have the same questions. Apparently, it has a thriving Reddit community, just like okay. lots, of, lots of theories. It's big on Reddit. I've been afraid to go because I don't want, like, it's it's a little bit too far ahead of me. I was like, I'm a little bit worried, but like, I think I will probably break maybe after like I finish the first season and then sort of like, I don't, I'm not so opposed to spoilers that I think my curiosity will get the better of me, but I've resisted so far to try to at least like preserve it a little bit. That's the high horse I like to ride is no spoilers. So I'm going to hold out <laughs> to the best of my That's ability. Not a trait. <laughs> no, it is. It is. I'm like, I will not cheat Netflix out of an honest viewer. But I think the other thing is, you know, my attention span is not great. So if I know what's coming, I'm not going to be watching. I'll be on my phone. I'll be doing God knows, like whatever, just like fast forwarding. So I'm going to try to keep it honest um, as we continue our money heist. But I'm all in. I know you said you're all in. Um, one last pitch for anyone who has not given money heist to go. It came recommended to us. We're recommending it to you. It's a thriller. It's exciting. There's a lot of character development. If you're like me and not necessarily sold by the thriller genre, and it's not too gory just yet where you have to stomach a ton of blood and violence. Is that a good pitch? eh? (laughs) Anything to add? (laughs) I think that's kind of how I described it to everyone that I tried to jump on the bandwagon with me. And go circling back to where we started this conversation before we log off here, um, we've talked a lot about the Netflix feature where it shows you the top 10 things on Netflix um, for the week. And I think it is the greatest feature, second to skip intro. <laughs> I will stand by that because it has not steered me wrong yet. Yeah. I'm with you. So the weird. Top 10. Top 10. I like it. I was also skeptical, though, it was going to be like Netflix pushing their content on me. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm still like, I don't, I've not been dissuaded of that belief, but so far it seems like it's been, if it is artificial, it seems like it's been a force for good (laughs) where it's like shows like money heist that maybe weren't like the needed, like the U S love are getting that now. Um, But that only thing seems like, I think the last I checked, it was Tiger King has been number one for so long. Like, again, that's going to be our constant through this whole quarantine. Uh, but then you've got like Ozark still up there. It seems seems legit. Yeah, and it's good content. I don't think it's fair to knock Netflix and say that just because their content, it's not as good as say an outward production because they've put together some really good stuff. And Tiger King is the perfect example. Love is Blind, The Circle, all of the garbage television that I'm rattling off. Um, Netflix has really helped me stay entertained as I've stayed inside. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I'm excited. We're going to go all in on Money Heist. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up today. So if you haven't started Money Heist, we're all in. You guys should watch it too. Keep listening to our podcast. We're fans of a pop culture podcast. And Shay, also creeping up on us here is we're going to get back into Bachelor things as well. With uh, Listen to Your Heart. How did I forget about that? (laughs) Oh, man. Was it forget or is it blocked out? (laughs) um, I'm not going to answer that question. But we will be pivoting back to a little bit of Bachelor stuff as we uh, watch Netflix things as well. If you guys have any suggestions for us, definitely send them our way. We're on Twitter. You should go give Fansided Entertainment a follow on Twitter. We're live tweeting a lot of shows. Um, You know, we know you're home, so no excuses. Reach out. 
Send us uh, some questions, like, listen, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And we'll talk to you guys next week.